I'm going to be reading from Matthew 13, 31 through 33. It's also recorded in Mark 4 and Luke 13, but I chose Matthew today to read to you. And we're coming in where Jesus is explaining the kingdom. Last week we were in his words on this explanation, but today we're actually looking at the parable. It's the parable of the mustard seed. Verse 31 says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it is when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch on its branches. Jesus tells of his kingdom, of the kingdom, being a mustard seed. We were here last week. And, but we were looking at Jesus explaining this parable. But this week we're actually going to look at the parable itself. This sermon explores what some, something that's so small could mean in describing such majestic kingdom. In your bulletin, you have a mustard seed. If you've not looked at your sermon notes, there's a actual mustard seed taped there. Now, if anybody likes Florida mustard, I've got three more packets. I had no idea how many seeds came in a packet, so when I went to runnings, I bought them all. I, I didn't know. I, I, I don't plant mustard. But look how small it is. Now, you could take that seed off the tape if you want to plant that seed, or you can get, I have three more packets of mustard seeds. It is that small. That grows a plant. That is an individual seed that you hold in your hand. It's a crazy idea to give you a seed. But it really does help draw to your attention the size of seed we're talking about. Now, I love telling you stories, so I'm going to take you from there. I'm going to take you the top ten classified ads. Bear with me, I'll make sense of this. These are true classified ads from daily newspapers or the internet. Then now think about this. They place these ads. Wanted. A man to take care of a cow that does not smoke or drink. That was, that's the number 10. Now one ad said, try us. We will never go anywhere again. You know, they, you're going to be dead, basically. Dog for sale. Eats anything and is fond of children. <laughs> now, if you had kids, you might not want to get that dog if he's going to eat your children. Illiterate, right today for help. That was an ad. It really was. Stock up and save, limit one. Okay. Man wanted to work in a dynamite factory. Must be willing to travel. Now, that one, that was an actual ad in the paper. Do you know where the dynamite factory was? Do you know where they make dynamite and fireworks? 
Mile City, Montana, where my son was born. Semi-annual after Christmas sale. I never figured that one out. Semi-annual after Christmas sale. Oh, this one, this one got, this one got a guy, somebody in big trouble. For sale, antique desk for a lady with thick legs and large drawers. <laughs> he messed up on that one. Now, this one happened. We, this was a cleaning factory, you know, running an ad, right? We do not tear your clothing and machinery. We do it carefully by hand. <laughs> now, this, this is the number one, number one, used cars. It's an ad, you know, big ad, red, ran in the Billings paper, right? Why go anywhere else to be cheated? Come here first. <laughs> Now, if you're, if you're a car person, I cut out that one, put that in my sermon file. You know, I, I'm kind of, how many of you know that I like cars and vehicles and I'm, yes, I, I, yeah, I saved that one. Now, many of those classified ads are funny because someone left out or misspelled one small word or phrase. Sometimes it's the things that you don't notice the little things that have the greatest value. In our text today, Jesus tells a parable using one of the smallest of seeds known to the people in that day, the mustard seed. It's in your bulletin, take a look at it. It's not much bigger, bigger than a tiny little pebble. And yet Jesus uses this small, seemingly insignificant little seed to tell us something about his kingdom, the church, and that applies to us sitting here today, as well as those sitting at the feet of Jesus back then. Parables were stories that Jesus told where he used common items that people often saw every day, such as birds, flowers, seeds, to describe spiritual truths and realities that they could or would never see. No one sitting at the feet of Jesus had ever seen the kingdom of God. Jesus was describing it, so he told parables like this to help people visualize what it's going to be like. But why use a mustard seed? It is small, insignificant, and a relatively unimportant seed. It wasn't highly prized. Now, it was useful for flavoring food. And its leaves were edible by livestock. I mean, the, the livestock loved mustard, right? And, and people actually in those days and today put it in a salad. And believe it or not, even back then they made salads. And if properly prepared, parts of the plant have medicine properties. Anybody here ever heard of a mustard plaster to draw out a chest cold? My grandmother loved them, and I had three of those mustard plaster things. She heated them up over the stove and slapped them on your chest, right? And she said it worked, and who argues with the grandma, right? But they're also something of a nuisance plant. Jesus calls it a tree here. 
But actually, it's mono, mono, known more as a shrub here in America. It, it, it grew sometimes to the height of 15 to 18 feet. And its stem could often become the thickness of a man's arm or thicker. But it's still a shrub in our minds. Because the trees around us we have are all giant giants, right? You know, an 18-foot tree doesn't seem like a tree. Now, here's a picture of a mustard plant, modern mustard plant. It's not an overly attractive plant. In fact, at times, people regard it as a bit of a weed. You wouldn't dare plant it in your garden unless you, you, you have to properly prune it or it will crowd out all the other plants in your garden. Now, it'll literally take over your garden if you don't prune. How many of you like pruning? Well, then you're in problems if you plant in your garden, so don't plant your seed. But I'm going to stop here right now and give you what I would call a preacher's note for a minute or two. Bear with me. If you search the internet for pictures for mustard, which I just did, and you'll find all sorts of information on mustard seeds. And you'll also find a whole bunch of skeptics who will point out that Jesus calling the mustard plant a tree is an error in Scripture. They try to prove this point. Where They try to say this, Jesus was wrong, Scripture's wrong, right? And basically, Jesus is wrong. They actually love to, they make a big thing. There's pages and pages and articles and articles all about it because Jesus called this mustard plant a tree. And when I say they make a big thing of it, I mean, they really do. And if you want to search this out, you'll probably find, you, you could spend a couple hours reading all the junk, right? And discovered that the mustard shrub, which we call a shrub here in America, which is actually, there's many varieties of mustard plants. That's why you have a name on the top of that mustard plant on your bulletin, because that's one type of mustard plant. And, and there's different sizes and shape. And the one we believe that Jesus is talking about is commonly believed to be the black mustard plant. Sometimes it, it grows 18, 15, 18 feet, not uncommon. So here's a picture of it. Does that look like a tree to you? 18 feet tall? That's how they grow. It's a black. Now, it's, it, this was all actually over in Israel. I got a picture from Israel, black mustard plant. In the days of Jesus, the back black mustard plant was planted intermixed with the family's personal garden area, and it was heavily pruned, so that it only had leaves at the top. Of course, out in the desert, the animals prune it for them. They don't have to worry about it, right? And it provided sunshade over their garden. See, if you're planting in the desert, which Israel's the desert, right? Water is valuable. And shade over certain plants is life and death. You ever, you ever, you know, you don't go plant a sun sensitive plant. You think of who, what you plant, like tomatoes or something. Too much sun's actually bad for them. So they plant these over and they'd space them out basically every so often. See, the entire mustard family of plants are low water plants which means they're perfect in the desert area. They would not rob the garden of valuable water. 
and they would provide valuable shade for all the garden items they're planting. And while today we might actually classify them as, and we actually do classify all mustard plants as shrubs, that's not what the people sitting at Jesus' feet did back then. In the desert region, they would sometimes tower over people like a tree. You know, 18 feet tall, pretty tall. In the desert region, they would actually plant them. See, when Jesus called it a tree, that's what they called it. It was a tree. The black shrub was a, the tree. Jesus called this shrub a tree, therefore would not have been an error in Scripture, is like people like to call it, right? People sitting at Jesus' feet knew it as a tree. The black mustard was a tree. Now here's a picture of a mustard plant in Israel also. And I want to show that's a modern mustard plant without pruning. It looks like a shrub now, doesn't it? In Jesus' day, the mustard plant was planted by herdsmen. If it wasn't planted in your garden, this, this variety was planted by herdsmen. And it, it provided natural rows to keep the animals in, and the animals ate it. People sitting at the feet of Jesus knew the difference between the shrub variety and the tree variety. They didn't call it different varieties. They called one a tree, and they called one a shrub. So the people on the internet, for those so-called scholars who love to point out that Jesus was in error, well, they just don't know their heads from a hole in the ground. They didn't bother to do any research. They just like to make up stuff. The mustard plant was common, was a common ordinary shrub that had things about it that people liked and things about it people didn't like. But everybody at Jesus' feet knew what it was. So why did Jesus choose the mustard seed to represent the kingdom? Why choose something so common, so ordinary, to paint a picture of the powerful, majestic kingdom that Jesus would invest so much in to create? It doesn't really make any sense. Or does it? I believe that Jesus chose the mustard seed in part because it was so small and so insignificant. I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians. I'm going to do chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intellect of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world was 
through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased that through foolishness of what was preached in order to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs and the Greeks looked for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why did Jesus choose the mustard seed? To represent the kingdom? Because God is always consistent. He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, and things that are not to nullify what is. So no one may boast before him. Now, we've all heard of churches that have become the end place to be and the pretty people all want to go there and all the influential people gather. You know, they got to go in those doors. Politicians, businessmen go to that building because that's where everybody else is and they can be seen. Now, those churches could be actually described as a mighty oak or a towering redwood or a spreading chestnut tree because of their great influence and power in the community. But those churches often run into danger of becoming a place where people go to be seen and not to spend time with God, not to see Jesus. Jesus didn't want his church to be a mighty oak. He wanted it to be a humble mustard shrub. He didn't want people to go to church to be impressed about how important they are and how valuable they are to those around them. He wants people who will bow down in modesty before his throne. That's tough teaching. In short, he doesn't want get people to get all excited about themselves. He wants them to get excited what he can do through them. What he can do with their lives. And what changes in healing he can bring about in them. Let me share with you a hard truth. The most mature Christians, the most firmly grounded believers, do not choose a church by what it can do or does for them personally. They choose a church by what they can do to help the believers in that body. Does that make sense? That's why you choose it what you can do to help. That's part of the reason he he chose the mustard plant to represent his kingdom. He wanted us to keep our eyes off ourselves and focused on him. Now, how many of you think you're going to plant the mustard seed in your bulletin? Probably nobody, right? 
but I'm really am serious. I got I got a couple packets out there, and they are great out in a desert area if you want to do some landscaping, right? They have great purpose, and the animals love to eat them. So if you want to see more animals, plant mustard. But there's more. God chose the mustard seed in this parable because of its size and because it's something, if something as small as a mustard seed has miraculous power within it. I want you to think about it. A seed not much, not much larger than a pithead, the seed that's in your bulletin, right, had within it the power to become a towering plant. 20 feet tall to me is a towering plant. Now, if you've done much work in a garden, you've grown used to the idea of being able to put in a seed in the ground and watch it grow and pl- grow right up from the ground. Do you guys like to do seeds or do you like to do starter vegetables? Who? Okay, how many for seeds? How many for starter plants? Yep. That's the, that, yeah, I'd do that too. And so you may not think much of a seed if you don't do much gardening or if you cheat on starter plants, right? You don't have to get that plant seed going. But okay, and yeah, I'm going to give you a stretch here. Pretend you're Bill Gates for a week, right? Or no, let's let's say next week Bill Gates did this. He gathers all the world brilliant scientists in one place. And he tells them, I'll give you all the money you could ever possibly want if you'll make something for me. I want you to create something this item, just something that's the size of a pinhead. And I want to be able to bury it in my backyard out in the sun. And I want this item to grow up from the ground and become a life-giving plant. And money's no limit. But you got to create it. Would he be able to do it? Will his brilliant scientists having untold billions of dollars at their disposal be able to do it? Would they be able to take an inanimate object, an inanimate hunk of material, and produce something as simple as a garden variety seed? course not. Now, Bill Gates is one of the richest men in the world, right? And he's actually a certified genius who's done things that no one else had thought possible. But I'm here to tell you, I don't care how smart he is or how much money he has. He's not smart or rich enough to create anything as amazing as a little seed. There's no scientist that can duplicate that kind of miracle that's in your bulletin. Likewise, the kingdom of God, the church, has the power to do things that no human institution can emulate. The Apostle Paul wrote, No one can lay any other foundation other than the one that's already been relayed laid in Jesus Christ. No, those words are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. In other words, you can't 
duplicate what God intends to do with this church. God's power in the church has a life within it that defies understanding. And it all starts with a small seed inside of the heart of an individual. And once that seed takes root and begins to grow, that lifeless and empty void is filled with the power of God in that heart. Now, back in 1995, Christianity Today, one of my old magazines, out of sermon file, right? There's a gentleman called Harold Miller, and he told of the change of God brought about uh, some natives in Peruvian, Peruvian, thank you very much, Amazon. I knew I'd get stuck up on that word. And we're going to see a picture of him right now. Oh, it's a, it's an interesting story. Interesting story. Those blowguns are stiff tipped with Karari poison, right? And he wrote that just in one generation, what just one generation, these fearful, aggressive, and animalistic people who had, when all, any contact was had with the outside was marked by violence and cannibalism. They eat them, right? They'd shoot them and they'd eat them. Not, and, and, but just one generation, they've been transformed. See, a, one missionary writes, a missionary made it in there. And since embracing faith in Christ, the men of this tribe are more tender with their wives and children. And the native believers have like, they have problems like any other Christian anywhere else. But they are more appreciative of the difference between the before and after Christ. They went from eating people to non-eating people in less than a generation. And an anthropologist, you know, one of those scientists showed up there, right? And he was visiting this Bora tribe, and he started out criticizing the missionaries. Okay, the first one they didn't eat was the missionary, and he's criticizing that missionary. That went over really well, right? And, and he said, Christianity's for white men. You people should go back to your old ways, your old religion. And you're, you know, the first person they didn't eat, and he's criticizing them, right? And one of the tribal leaders looked at the anthropologist for a moment said, and these are his words. This is not add-on. This is, this is what he said. Yes, and if we did, you'd be the first one in the pot, no, 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 that's his actual words. Okay. Jesus chose the mustard seed because of the humility in it. it the humility it represented. And because the life-giving power it had within it. And then, lastly, Jesus chose the mustard plant to represent his church because the mustard seed has to die in order to give life. With what kind of body will they come? See, that's the question I'm going to get to you. See, when, when we're raised from the dead, with what kind of body will they come? That's a foolish question. 
What, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. I don't want my body. How many of you want to take your, get your body back when you go to heaven? I'm going to sidetrack from the sermon notes here, right? Anybody want your old fallen apart body? Or do you want the new one? I want one without aches and pains, right? Don't you? What would it be to get up in the morning and be like a six-year-old and not be able to jump right out of bed instead of step out of bed and try to stand up and creak your back in place? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got a bad back? Bad hip? Anything else going bad? Do you want this body when you get to heaven? See, getting back to my sermon, so I get way too sidetracked. When you sow, it does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow a seed, it does not come to life unless that seed dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body what will be, but that seed perhaps it will become something else. God gives us this body as determined to give us a seed. He gives us our own body. That's basically what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, verses 35 through 38 is talking about. The seed has to die to bring life. It was possible that Jesus was saying that in the same way, in order for the kingdom of God to come into being, something had to die. At least two or three times in his ministry, Jesus told his disciples, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and must be, be killed and on the third day raised to life. Those words are found, you can go to Luke chapter 9, verse 22. In fact, Paul tells us that the message of the gospel... By this gospel you must be saved. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. That he was buried and raised on the third day according to scriptures. And that's 1 Corinthians 15 that we read. In other words, Jesus had to die and be buried in order to give life to his church and to us. In the book of Romans chapter 5 verses 8, it tells us, God demonstrated his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since now we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? It is amazing how a tiny mustard seed could say so much about Christ's kingdom. Now, as I studied for this sermon, I have to admit, it's, it's really quite a lot for me to share in a sermon and have everybody comprehend what I'm trying to share. The very idea of a small seed 
a little larger than a speck of dust being used to describe the power and the ministry and the mystery of Jesus and what he did to create his kingdom. There's so much power in that tiny seed that Jesus would want us to use something so small to represent something so majestic is amazing. And I think the answer is yes. I don't think there's anything on this earth that has the ability to bury the power that lies within one tiny seed. Now I'm going to show you some pictures up here. Bear with me. We're going to do some pictures. I'm going to ask for each one. Here's a seed that landed on a rock. Split the rock. Tree grew. We're going to do another one. Rock, seed, tree, broke the rock. Let's go another one. I like this one the best. It gives a nice plain view. It, it, the seed may have fallen in a crack first, but it's still breaking up the rock. Let's do another one. That one, you know, a good one. Somebody in church gave me that one. Snap the rock right there. That one I find interesting too. But this is my favorite coming up. It's right here. You've seen this picture before. This is my favorite picture. Is it from a cemetery in Hanover, Germany? If you're home, folks, you've seen this picture before. I, so I tried to get a different picture than the last one. That is the vault. That is the tree growing up. It's wintertime. Last time I showed you with all the busted pans. But basically, you can see the stones tipping up. There was a lady who did not want to be born, be brought up in the resurrection. She was against God. She was against everything. So on top of her tomb, they placed great big granite slabs. And then they put metal bands over the top of it. And they wrote on it, right? This burial place must never be opened. And she went on to talk about how she didn't like God and all this, right? now. Well, that was a long time ago. And this little lady bitty seed got in there. And it got in the crack and it pushed the great big slabs up of the granite. And all of a sudden the metal snapped of the retaining ribs. And people started visiting the place time after time. The actual original first tree died because it's been happened so long ago. And more people come to it. It's Hanover, Germany. Check it out. She said she would never be raised. Nothing would ever disturb her tomb. And an itty-bitty little seed decided to change her mind for us. Our final note is, a tiny seed had become a tree that pushed aside the stones. You can, you can go see lots of nice, pretty colored pictures. I've, I've talked about her so many times. But it's true. See, our world is in turmoil, and you were the tiny seed to fix it. How many of you like the rain? Now, North Dakota, it's really weird. It rains in one spot, and here it doesn't rain. You can be, you can walk 20 feet and not be getting wet when the clouds come over you, right? Anybody know that? And at least it wasn't hail this morning, right? There was just clouds. But people were talking, they got inches of rain. We didn't get inches of rain down here. I mean... How many of you got lots of rain? How many of you got just a, a little spurtial of rain? You got what you needed. God supplies what you need at the time you need it. 
And not everybody in the church gets it all at the same time. Does that make sense? I'm getting waved at. I have to wave back. I, see, I need the wave, right? Can I steal you? Come on. She's going to wave. I'm going to take her up front. Come on up. Oh, you got a bracelet. Okay. Here. Up we go. No, I can't grab the mic. Now she's all quiet. She was back there waving at me. Okay. You're going to wave at them? This is the power of the kingdom. When little children are comfortable in God's house. No offense, we like you comfortable. We want you to understand. But I have my job is to make the complicated message simple that a little one can understand it too. God's kingdom has always been compared to a child. We're called children of the Most High God. Can you smile at them? Are we going to smile? No. Can, okay, look at mom. Give mom a smile. Okay, there we go. See, no matter what we do, we have to understand that God was talking to us and trying to make it so we could understand the majesty and the glory of what is coming. He used a little seed to share so that we, his children, could understand. He made the complicated simple. And that's what we are called to do. We have the power of the universe at our beck and call, if we only call for it. Now, we need to close in prayer. Can I put you down so we can pray? You going to help me pray? Okay. We go. Okay, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, help us to be like a child in the Most High God's hands. Help us to understand this great truth, that we must become a little seed. In your son's most precious name we pray. Amen.